0: Well, good morning. Hello. It's good to see you all. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, Happy Palm Sunday for sure. Uh, um, just uh, also just want to say hello to anyone joining us online who couldn't join us uh, in person today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Joshua. I am one of the pastors here on staff. I'm not a stranger that they just brought in off the street. Uh, I do work here, um, but again, big thank you to the kids. Uh, appreciate them. It always like you know it always raises the cute factor, right? And the experience like tenfold. So great to have them in here as well. Um, Well, uh, Palm Sunday uh, is kind of a special thing. And even though it's not going to be the main thing that I'm talking about today, I do just want to talk about it briefly. I think Palm Sunday, as I was thinking about it, just reflecting this week, Palm Sunday helps to deal with the question of this. Who am I going to follow in life? Who's going to uh, show me what direction I should go? Am I going to follow the crowd or am I going to follow Christ? I see the crowd that day on Palm Sunday, they got it right, right? I mean, look at this verse up on the screen. Caleb shared this verse. I want you to look at it again. They took palm branches, that's the crowd, and they went out to meet him. They went out to meet Jesus. And they kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So they were doing great that day. They were right on. But then we know, right, if you know the story, just, just less than a week Later, that same group of people, that same crowd, do you know what they were shouting? They were shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. So as I was thinking about it, I'm like, that's what you get when you follow the crowd. There's just, there's just lots of ups and downs. You're tossed around by your emotions and your feelings, and you don't know right from wrong. Or the other side is you can follow the crowd or you can follow, you can follow Christ. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, listen, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm life. That's really in a lot of ways as I think about what Palm Sunday is about. It's, it's about who we're going to follow in this lifetime. And if you're not really sure, man, I would, just, I would just plant that question in your minds today to think on that, to say, who are you really following? Who are you really trusting to lead you through this life? Well, today I do, I want to talk about how we can become a people that is better at it, inviting others to consider faith in Jesus. That's why I've titled today RSVP. Now, RSVP is an initialism derived from a French phrase, which I will not even attempt to speak uh, because I would offend all the French people in here because there's just so many of them. And, <laughs> and it, means, it means to reply to an invitation. Please reply to an invitation. So why the title RSVP? Because this is the best time of the year, you guys. I am convinced of this, for sharing the joy and the hope that we have in Christ. I mean, next week, we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To me, that's the most monumental moment in all of Christianity. Why would we not want to invite people to consider and at least hear about this incredible moment and hear about the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to talk about how can we get better? And I'm with you, okay? How can we get better at being invitational? How can we be better being open about being conversational and inviting people into conversations about faith, now, if you're hearing this and you're not a Christ follower, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't I'm not really there yet. Maybe you're online. You should appreciate that we're talking about this because you know that we stink at this sometimes. You just you do because you've crossed paths with that person. And it was awkward and weird, and let's just be honest, church, right? We can stumble over our words when we're trying to talk about this. We can sound weird sometimes, okay? We we don't say what we want to say. I know I wrestle. We don't don't feel like we're exactly ourselves when this happens. And so we got to get better at this. We got to get better at, at understanding how to be open, how to be conversational, how to be invitational. So, how do we get better at this, at extending an invitation? Well, we start by looking at Jesus. There's no better model of being invitational and open to people than Jesus Christ himself. Now, Jesus had lots of conversations with people about faith. And so we're going to look at one of those conversations in particular. We're going to learn from him how you and I can do a better job of inviting people, people in our circles, uh, to have conversations about faith. Now, the conversation we're going to look at is between him and a woman in John chapter 4. Now, I love the fact that Jesus would just talk. He'd talk to anybody. Didn't phase him. Jesus loved everybody. It didn't matter to him who he was talking to. He would just talk to anybody. It didn't matter. And he shows us in this conversation some things that we can uh, do to be more invitational to those around us. And so we're going to look at uh, him as he talks to, it's called the woman at the well. And we're going to learn five things from Jesus. And I am with you in these things. I can improve on every single one of these things. I think the first thing, and I'm starting with the hardest one up front. The first thing, and I know you know this, that we need to do if we're going to get better at, in being invitational, inviting people in, is we've got to break through some barriers. I am going there. Okay, we, we've got to be willing to break through barriers. Why is it that when we try to talk, about, uh, talk to somebody about our faith, it, it seems like it just doesn't go very well, or, or we, we can't say it very well, or sometimes we don't even get around to the conversation. Well, one of the reasons is there's barriers. These are the things that are in the way of having, there are things that are in the way of having this kind of conversation. Breaking through barriers, let's be honest, it doesn't come naturally to us. Unless you're just a really good conversationalist, then I envy you. But I struggle with this. You've got to choose. We've got to make the choice to break through barriers. And there's a lot of them. There's emotional barriers. There's personal barriers. There's psychological barriers. There's even social barriers. Even Jesus had to break through some barriers in order to be invitational and say, let's let's talk about that. Look at what happened in John 4. We're going to pick it up at verse 4. Here's what it says. He, that's Jesus, Jesus had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there and Jesus, worn out from his journey, he sat down at the well. It was about noon. Now a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Hey, would you give me a drink, Jesus said to her. Because his disciples had gone into town. So it's just him and this woman. That's it. How is it, this is her response, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? A Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus had barriers. The Bible shares one of them. Jews do not talk to Samaritans. These were two cultures that lived alongside of each other. Now, there's a lot of history here, but they hated each other. I'm not overstating it. They hated each other. They didn't even talk to each other. Jesus breaks through that barrier to talk to this woman. He was also a rabbi. Now, a Jewish rabbi was not supposed to be talking to women at all. Sorry, ladies, that was just the cultural norm back then. It's one of the rules. But Jesus talks to her. He makes himself, what, open and invitational. And he he starts a conversation with her. Now, I don't know if you notice, but there's actually another barrier here as well. The Bible says that Jesus was what after his long walk? He was tired and thirsty. He was worn out. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, when I'm worn out, I'm just being honest. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just being honest with you guys. I just want to sit back. I want to veg out. If you want to bring me a drink, that's awesome. But please don't talk to me. Jesus Jesus opens up a conversation even when he's worn out. That's a barrier. That's a barrier that he had to push through. And you and I, if we're going to have a conversation about faith and be invitational, we've got to break through some barriers. Maybe the greatest barrier that you've got to break through is that, that personal one, that psychological barrier. And it goes like this. And I know we've all had this before. What what are they going to think of me? If I I talk about faith too much, are they going to think I'm a weird Jesus freak? And then they, right? Are they going to look at me like, oh, you're one of those people, right? That's a psychological barrier. Or or how about this one? For you younger ones, are they going to think that I'm cool? Okay, listen. You stopped being cool after high school. Just accept it, okay? Just be cool with your uncoolness. You're not cool anymore. It's okay. I stopped being cool a long time ago, too. But we've got to break through also the social barriers, right? In our culture today, there's this, there's this like, stigma. It's like, whoa, is it even okay to talk about this? Can, can I, what if I offend someone, right? Like, we wrestle with that. We've got to break through this barrier of realizing, friends, listen to me. You can talk about faith in our culture. It's okay. It's okay. We're not pushy. We're not mean or rude. Don't be like that, but it's okay. If we can't talk about faith and what God is doing in our lives, guys, we're missing out on one of the greatest opportunities. There really is. There's just this freedom, and maybe it's because I'm getting older. There's just this freedom in, in coming, becoming comfortable with yourself and saying, this is who I am. This is me. Jesus Christ changed my life, and I simply just want people to know about it. I'm not going to be weird. I just want people to know. It's not rude. It's not pushy. Jesus demonstrates being who he is. He's so just natural. He's like, this is who I am. He breaks through the barrier with her. He starts a conversation with her in the simplest of ways. What does he do? He asks for a drink. That's like the easiest conversation starter ever hey, I'm thirsty, would you give me a drink? It's not complicated. There's not a lot to it. He just opens the door to a conversation. He wasn't even supposed to be talking to her, but he asks her for a drink. He opens the door, and guess what? She actually walks through. Now she starts a conversation. She could have said no. She could have just handed him something to drink without saying anything and walked away, but she didn't. She starts the conversation. You see, when you open the door, when you become an invitational, right? Like, hey, let's talk about that. Amazing things can happen, you guys. That's where it starts. We've got to be willing to just push through that first barricade, right? That first, like, oh, what are they going to think of me? How do I handle this? Just, we've got to push through that barrier. The second thing, I think, that goes so hand in hand is that we need to be people that listen. In fact, I should have said Listen well. But we have to be people that that listen. If you want to have a conversation about faith, you know what you need to be better at even than talking is listening. You listen. Do you know why you listen? Because you love. It's got to start with love. You know why I'm going to listen to you? Because I care about you. All through this conversation, you know what Jesus is doing? He's listening to her. Do you know what he's doing? He's listening for the thing behind the thing. You ever done that? I hear what you're saying, but there's something more there. He's listening for the thing behind the thing. And because he hears her, guess what? He's able to answer her needs. It's, you know he, uh, She says in verse 9, she says, Wait a minute, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Well, Why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you even talking to me? Now he hears this. He hears what's going on behind. He sees her need and he's able to respond to her. Friends, listening says to somebody else, You are important. Listening says, I want to start where you are. Listening says that you care, right? There's that old saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. When you care for somebody, you guys, it makes all the difference in the world. Can we just admit, you know when you're talking to someone if they care or not. You know, because you can read it on them. We need to learn the skill of listening. It's not just for conversations about faith. It's like the skill we need in every area of life. You guys want a better marriage? you got to get better at listening. You guys want to be a better parent? And I'm talking to myself, too. i got to get better at listening. Do you want to do better at your job? you got to be a better listener. Effective listeners always listen between the lines in search of meaning that's not necessarily in the spoken words. You look at people's eyes. You look them in the face. You see people's body language. In doing that, you know what you're doing? You're listening. You're focusing on what the other person needs and not on what you want to say. Can I say that again? Because I think we all, I wrestle with this. I'm being honest with you guys. You focus on what the other person needs and not on what you want to say. We can all get better at listening, especially me. Not so much listening for as listening to. Sometimes we're listening for. We're listening for our opportunity to talk. We're listening for the opening. We're listening for some little phrase that helps me to say what I really want to say. We're listening for our turn to talk. Instead of that, start listening more to. To the person's needs. To what they're going through. If you're a good listener, that's one of the greatest skills in having a conversation, especially about faith. When we listen, things change. When it comes to having this conversation about faith, I love it that the Bible not only tells us that we need to have these kind of conversations, but it also tells us how to have it. It shows us the attitude to have in a conversation about faith. Can I show you this? Look at 1 Peter 3. This is so wise, you guys. It says, hey, listen, as you're worshiping Christ, as Lord of your life, okay, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But, and this is a really important but, can I say that in church? Don't miss it. Always be ready to explain it, but do this how? In a gentle and respectful way. I think sometimes we, we like cut that part out because we, we got, I got something to say and you're going to hear me and we just we leave out the gentle and the respectful part. But that's, that's key if we're going to be good listeners. Always gentle, always respectful, humble, respecting the other person's needs, respecting the other person's opinions, their ideas, their questions, always gentle, always respectful. That's the attitude we need to have. You know, as we talk about listening in gentle and respectful ways, there's a certain personality type that just comes to mind, and 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 it's, and I'm just going to say this, and I hope this is not offensive, but it's, it's there's there's it's that loud personality type. It's the personality type that just, they're going to tell you what they think no matter what, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, okay. And there's those people, and that's just the kind of people they are. I'm not saying it's good or bad. That's just, they are. And some of us, including myself, we can see that personality type and think, man, they are so confident. They are bold. So you know what? We're going to let them do the job. (laughs) They can have those conversations about faith. Listen to me. God does use them. I have no doubt because there are certain people that need to hear from that personality type. But guess what? I am convinced, I've been doing this for 22 years, I'm convinced there are more people out there who need to hear from maybe a little bit quieter and shyer personality type, especially if that's you. A lot of you think, I'm too shy for this. I'm just not confident. Listen, you're the very person God wants to use because in your shyness, you're going to listen. You're going to look at the other person. You're going to see their need. Friends, a lot more people, I am convinced, are brought to Christ through listening than through loud talking any day of the week, any year. That's how people are brought to faith, by somebody caring enough to listen. And I'm telling you, if God has wired you that that way, he wants to use you that way. It is a great gift that God has given you. There's a lot more people that need to hear from a good listener. We've got to be a people that listen to those around us. It stirs up empathy, and it shows and displays, man, they actually care about me. That's what Jesus does. We gotta break through barriers. We gotta listen well. We gotta get better at that. I gotta get better at that. Third, I think we gotta talk about, we need to be able to talk about real life. Talk about real life. God wants to make a difference in our real lives, so we've gotta talk about real life. Sometimes for us who've been in the church for a while, myself included, when we're talking about faith, something happens to us and it seems like we start to talk about religious things instead of talking about real life. It's like we become a different person. It's like there's a a switch that we, we flip. Right? Maybe you're talking to your friend. You're, you know, your kid's hockey practice. You're just having a nice conversation. Hey, wasn't that funny when that kid wiped out and slammed into the boards? And you know, you're chuckling, whatever. And and then your your friend turns and says, Hey, don't your kids go to church? By the way, you know, I've been thinking about getting back to church and getting them back, and would be so good for them. And then all of a sudden, you flip a switch and you look at them and you say, would you like to be justified, sanctified, and glorified by the precious blood of the lamb right now? And they look at you and they're like, what? Are you even speaking English? But some of us have a tendency to do this. Listen, (laughs) you don't have to be a preacher and use big, fancy theological words in order to be invitational about your faith. People don't want to hear from preachers in those kinds of moments. I'm a preacher. I know. I can tell you that's not what they want to hear. They want to hear about real life. In this conversation that Jesus had, it's super interesting to me, you guys, as I was looking at this again and again, because he was the one who wanted to talk about real life and guess who wanted to talk about religion? Her. Like what? It's flipped because Jesus knew you got to talk about real life because that's where God wants to make a difference. Look, look at this in verse 16. Jesus is they're talking. He's like, hey, why don't you why don't you go get your husband and come back? And the woman answered, well, I have no husband. Jesus said, Well, you're, you're right that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. That's, that's the truth. Now, I can imagine the woman's eyes getting about the size of Buick hubcaps and going, sir, I see that you're a prophet. And then she goes, sideways. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where people must worship what? (laughs) Where's she going? This woman hears that he's talking about real life, her life, and she says, so tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the place to worship while Samaritans claim that it's Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? He's talking about real life, but she doesn't go there. She says, she says, she did, even though she figured out this guy's a prophet, she didn't go, oh my goodness, like, that's amazing that you know that about me. Like, and you're right. Like, why, why am I, why do I struggle with this? Why do, why do I, why do I have insecurities and wrestle with relationships? She doesn't go there. Instead, she flips the switch to what? Religion and says, why do you guys worship in Jerusalem and we should worship on Mount Jerusalem? He's talking about marriages and she wants to talk about mountains. Do you know why? Because it's much more comfortable sometimes to talk about religious things than to talk about real life. Because real life, it gets down to the real need. It's messy. But that's where Jesus wants to meet people. It's interesting to me that this woman did not feel at this point, she didn't feel like Jesus was condemning her. She wasn't like, excuse me, what would you just say about my five husbands? She doesn't get defensive at all. She somehow, because Jesus had that posture, you guys, of being open, listening, like I care about you, because he was invitational, she continues the conversation, She doesn't get get back against the wall. He had something about him that says, I understand you. I care about you. Jesus instead, Jesus in this conversation, instead of getting involved in a theology talk, which is where she started to go, he talks to her about real life. The truth is, you guys, Jesus can work in our real messy lives. And I'm glad. Do you know why? It's all I got. It's all I got. Life is messy. Life is difficult. All of us are messed up in one way or another. And that is exactly the kind of life that Jesus wants to talk about and get into. The fourth thing that we can learn about just being invitational, being open, listening to people, inviting people into conversations about faith is eventually we got to get to this place where we give an invitation, At some point in the conversation, you got to pass along the invitation that Jesus gives to real life. Jesus, as he's talking with this woman, he talks about water. Now, he eventually invites her to experience something different than she's ever experienced before. Check it out in verse 10. Jesus replied, Man, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you even get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Which he was, sorry. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, listen, so this, well, this, this well. Anyone who drinks this water, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes, I love this verse, you guys, it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. What a cool picture. Jesus sees... She's connecting here. She's she's engaged. She's got questions about this. She wants to keep talking, so he explains it. Jesus is talking about needs in her life that have never been met. Needs in her life that he's willing to meet. He's talking to her about the eternal life that he's willing to give her. And he uses the picture of living water. Now, don't over-spiritualize this. Jesus is just saying, man, there's a thirst within you that a relationship with me can quench. I found this quote and I'm like, that is so good. Guys, listen to this. Faith is not a subject that you study, it's a relationship that you experience. Oh, that's good. Twitter. I'm just throwing that out. <laughs> Faith is not a subject that you study, it's a relationship that you experience. And Jesus is saying, you know what he's saying? Take a drink. Take a drink. Begin this relationship. Come experience me for yourself. Friends, if you're thirsty, you don't study the properties of H2O, what do you do? You take a drink of water. When we realize that we have a need for connection, we don't study religion. You start a relationship with Jesus. That's what he invites her into. He invites her into a relationship. And here's the cool part. He's given us today the privilege of passing out invitations. RSVPs to that same kind of relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Giving an invitation is really what sharing faith, you guys, is all about. It's not about convincing people, it's about inviting people. God does the convincing. You and I, we get to do the inviting. It's like an invitation to a birthday party. It's like, it's, it's like an invitation to a wedding. You pass it out so people will know. You pass it out so they'll know. We get to invite people to Jesus' party. Think of it that way. He's throwing a party. The greatest party of all eternity. He's throwing it and he says this to us. Hey, would you guys pass out invitations to everybody you know? I want them there too not just you. I love you, but I want all the people you know there too. So would you pass out invitations? You know, I see Jesus' heart, this invitational heart in in Luke chapter 5. Here's what he says. Jesus is talking to uh, the Pharisees. He says, listen, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life changed inside and out that's the invitation that we now get to pass along friends there's a lot of our friends that have never really been invited now maybe you've invited them and guys i'll I'll confess this to you where it was kind of like that half-hearted invite it was kind of like hey you know we should you should come check out church with me on some sunday and the posture and everything i said about my demeanor was like that was pretty lame you, didn't, you weren't really inviting me. And they're thinking, you don't really want me to come because I'm going to screw up your Sunday plans and then you're going to have to sit with me and then you're going to feel obligated to take me out for lunch or something. Right, that's the pod- We can do that. They don't really feel invited when we do that. But man, when we, when we look at somebody in the eye and we say to them, you know what? gosh, I care about you. And, and you know what? This, this is really important to me. This is really important to me. And you know what? I would be thrilled if you'd just consider coming and just giving it a try. Would you come and just, I just want you to experience what I've experienced. Would you come with me to Easter service? Would you come with me next Sunday? It would mean a lot to me. Friends, that kind of a genuine invitation changes hearts. That changes lives because it's an invitation to experience God's promise of faith and hope and love that only comes through Jesus. We know this. It's the best invitation any of us are ever going to get, and it's the best invitation any of us could ever give. Friends, a simple invitation can change everything. Easter is one of the best times of the year to invite people. I'm convinced of this. Do you know why? People will consider coming to church twice a year. Christmas and Easter. It's just a fact. The statistics have shown it. Man, and we've got, okay, I'm, I'm going like total logistical on here, but man, we've got tools. Like, we want you to use these things. We've got invite cards that you can use. If you're old school and you want to take one to a coworker or a neighbor across the street, it's got all the details on the back. It explains the egg hunt. It explains the service times. And if you gave them this and said, you know, this would mean a lot to me, would you just consider coming? I'd love to sit next to you. That's it. I promise I'll even protect you from the weird people. You know, like, they would, they'd, like, okay, all right, maybe, they would, maybe they'd come. You know, another tool is if you go to enbrookchurch.org uh, slash invite, uh, we've even got some tools you can use online. This is what the page looks like. Uh, and if you scroll down on that page, there's some tools. This says Easter invites. There's for Instagram, Facebook. If you want to attach to an email, you guys, and send just a heartfelt email, please use these tools. This is what it's about. Consider using these tools. But, but listen, make it personal. Not generic. Make it personal. Finally, there's a fifth thing, you guys, that we learn about being invitational from this conversation with Jesus. It's something he teaches his disciples as they come back at the end. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's probably the one that I need to work on the most. It's that when we do these things, we need, I need to expect that God will move. I should expect that God will move. Believe that the other person wants to believe. See, when you're talking, having a conversation about faith, you're either going to believe that they want to believe or you're going to believe that they're not going to believe. Now, I get it, okay, because I do this. You can protect yourself, right? We, can, we put up this little inner wall, and we protect ourselves from disappointment by believing they're not going to believe. But you're really just defending yourself against the very greatest thing that God wants to do in their life. Why not believe that they want to believe? Why not believe with them for the best? That's what Jesus teaches his disciples to do in this moment. You see, when, they're having, uh, when we're having a conversation about faith, it's not just us at work. God's the one who's really at work. We're just joining in on it. He's made, here's maybe the greatest faith of all you guys. Expect that God will work through you. I mean, we are called to be His hands and feet. Do you know why? Because God wants to work through you. Maybe that's the greatest step of faith we need to take. God worked through this woman that day. This woman, who's just put her faith in Christ, that very day goes back to the village. She tells people about it. She brings a bunch of people back, and they start a relationship with Jesus as well. Look at verse 39. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. Okay, she was probably a little excited. She Probably didn't say everything she ever did, but she was super excited because all of a sudden she had this new relationship. So think about this. This woman invites more people to consider faith in one day than all the rest of Jesus' disciples have up to this point. She leads a whole town to come meet Jesus. Listen, you don't have to know everything to pass it along. You don't. You just have to know that God has made a difference in your life. This woman goes into the town, she tells her story, and she brings the town back to hear about Jesus, to meet Jesus. The disciples had just gone into the same town, and what did they bring back? Lunch. That's all they brought back. She brings the whole town back to hear about Jesus. One day old as a Christ follower. Listen, God can use you right now. Expect that God can use you. Expect that God is working now. That's the point Jesus may, is making to his disciples at the end of the conversation. God is not working someday. He wants to do something now. Look at this in John 4. He's, talking, he's gathered up his disciples and he's, he's coaching, he's teaching. He's like, listen, listen, you guys have this saying, right? When you plant, you always say, Four more months to wait before we gather the grain. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ready for harvesting now. Even now, the people who harvest the crop are being paid. They are gathering crops for eternal life. So now the people who plant can be happy together with those who harvest. He's saying, now's the time. When we don't expect that God will work, do you know what I do? I'm confessing this to you. Do you know what we do? We wait. We wait. Uh, four more months. That's the saying. God's not going to do something now. They're not ready. I actually think people are a lot more ready to hear it than we are to say it most of the time. I do. So we should expect that God wants to do something now. If somebody wants to say no, let them say no. How do you know they're going to say no unless you invite? That's the only way to find out. Invite expecting. Don't invite thinking, ah, it's never going to work. Invite expecting. Not in what you can do, you guys, but in what God can do. I am so glad that almost, this pains me to say, Almost 30 years ago, a friend in my high school band class invited me to a weekend retreat to hear about Jesus. I thought it was going to be the lamest weekend ever. I'm just being completely honest with you guys. They invited. Guess what? I gave an RSVP. I said, All right, I'll come. That's probably about the attitude that I had. And guess what? It changed my life forever because I met the real Jesus. And you know what I did? I took a drink. I was thirsty and I took a drink. And here I am in front of you almost 30 years later. Do you know why? Because someone invited me. If this person had not invited me, I have no idea where I'd be today. Friends, even when you don't see it, God uses the invitation. I don't have to press it. Listen, you don't have to be pushy about it because it's God's invitation. I'm just passing it along. When we give an invitation, you guys, this Easter, next week is Easter, or any Sunday for that matter, God can make a difference. So you know what I would say to us? Go for it. Go for it. What have you got to lose? Let's be invitational and be like, you know, I I care about you. Can I just ask, where are you at with with faith and spiritual things? Let's be open to people. Let's listen and not be afraid to give an invitation to say, would you, you I care about you, would you just consider coming with me? It's not hard. We make it so difficult. I make it so difficult. (laughs) Well, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us. And I want you, if God just put anyone on your mind, as I was talking about this today, I just, I want you to call that face. I just want you to call that person in your mind right now. And I just would ask that you pray with me. And pray this. Say, God, you've called that person to my mind for a reason. So help me to find the window just to extend an an invite. Help me to be proactive in being invitational. Not weird, help me not be weird. (laughs) Help me to be friendly. Help me to be compassionate. And God, I just want to pray for them that they would hear that invitation and consider coming. And God, ultimately, that they would hear your invitation to faith and hope and love. Now, if, if a name or person's not coming to your mind right now, that's okay. God knows your heart. Just pray this. Say, God, you know who I'm going to cross paths with this week? And uh, I just pray that when I cross paths with someone that you want me to engage with, would you just tap me and say, go for it. Help me to invite because I want people to know. I want people to experience the living water that's Jesus Christ. And so God, we're going to pray now for all the people that we're going to cross paths with. We're going to pray for all the people that are going to be a part of Easter celebration. And God, we're going to pray that they meet the living God, the living water who gives eternal life next weekend. And we're going to pray that. We're going to ask for that boldly in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.